It's not that there aren't resources for kids when it comes to faith, but we wanted credible ones, right? Ones that uh, introduced a theology that kids wouldn't have to heal from later in their life. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss and we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Missy and I are coming to you all the way from Chicago, Illinois, at the Parliament of World Religions. And later on the pod, we sat down with authors Victoria Rob Powers and Cameron Mason Vickery. They've got a new book out, My Love, God is Everywhere. And it is a wonderful discussion that we have with them. It's going to be a good pod, so stay tuned. Well, Missy, here we are in Chicago, Illinois, at the Parliament of World Religions. Yes. So this has been an exciting week. It's been my first time, or both of our first times in Chicago, and my first time at the Parliament of World Religions, which has been quite an eye-opening experience. I mean, who knew there were so many religions in the world? Yeah. So there are about 10,000 or so people here in attendance. Um, and every different faith tradition you can imagine under one roof. Some we knew of, many we didn't know no, of. We didn't. Um, so it's been interesting. One funny thing I've noticed as we have a booth here mm-hmm. um, is that I'm used to being in spaces where we are very much in our kind of homogenous ecosystem and we are i mean i i would not call us rebels by any means but we're kind of like more you know some of the most progressive in the room sure right and here i feel so opposite (laughs) i feel like we're the most like stick in the mud like traditional oh you're a christian (laughs) right right so that's been an interesting you know um kind of place to be sure um i do think it's been also very interesting to me having to really be intentional with my language Mm -hmm. as people approach the booth and want to know about good faith media. We're used to existing in spaces that are um, Christian. I mean, let's just face it. When we go exhibit at these events, that's typically where we are. We're among our own tribe, so to speak. Absolutely. So they know the language. They know what I mean when I, you know, use certain terms or refer to, you know, or make certain jokes or whatever. And this is just a space where it, it's a good, I think it's a great exercise. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In um, learning you know, we, how we, to. We did a panel here mm-hmm. uh, at the parliament and that was one of the things that uh, we had to keep reminding ourselves is because as you said, we kind of get into this rut of using not only Christian language, but Baptist Christian language and to look at across the uh, the audience there and to see non-Christians, we really had to be intentional about using language that would not be insider language. And uh, I thought that, that it, was a, it was a difficult exercise, but a very, very uh, profitable one for me, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. I've... But it's I've been challenged, but I've also enjoyed having that experience of having to really 
find those areas where we are using language and making assumptions yeah. where we shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of assumptions, I mean, there was one dude who made a big assumption about you this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this gentleman came up to our booth and he was talking to you and mm-hmm. I could tell you guys were in conversation and I kind of, you know, came up and around and he, he looks at me and hands me this card and starts to tell me his kind of spiel about how he decided to take on a 21 day challenge of positivity. That's David going against Goliath. Right he there. eliminated all <laughs> negative expressions from his thoughts, words and deeds for 21 days. And he handed me a card with this challenge to eliminate all negativity. I I was like, dude, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, he did not know who he was dealing with. He did not. Like, <laughs> this is the fuel that feeds me here. So, um, God bless him. I hope the people he was, you know, handing these little cards out to were, were more receptive. Yeah. <laughs> on that. Oh my goodness. Well, well I don't funny. know about you, but one of the highlights for me was the opening ceremony here at the parliament, uh, to see all of these world religions come down the center aisle on that opening day. And then the leaders of those organizations standing in solidarity on the stage, the beauty, the diversity, the solidarity. It was just really uh, an incredible moving experience. It is very powerful um, to see all of the cultural and faith traditions represented as they entered in. You know, there's a lot of drums and instrumentals and cultural expressions there was you know a couple of chinese dragons that came mm-hmm. in those are just always so cool to watch but it was just like you said it was just a bagpipes they brought bagpipes yeah. bagpipes it was a really beautiful expression of yeah the world's religions and cultures and faith representations and you know coming together mm-hmm. um to you know at this event to talk about areas where we can work together for peace and for justice yeah. in the world so yeah and that's the whole purpose of the part Parliament. I mean, believe it or not, the Parliament is over 150 years old, started here in Chicago, uh, and you know, its intention was to bring the world religions together, to educate one another about each other's culture, and to find common ground as uh, human beings in our unique expressions of faith. So I am sold on it. I love this idea. I really enjoy the week that we get to spend here. Uh, every couple of years at the Parliament. It's just a great reminder that we are part of a big, bright, beautiful world. It has been great. And we've met um, some people outside of our Christian tradition who we are going to um, have writing for us mm-hmm. soon. So be looking for articles from... Yeah, possible from, interviews. Absolutely. Some great interviews. A couple that um, hopefully we'll get on the podcast. We mm-hmm. are very excited to uh, share with our audience. Um, so yeah, it's been very exciting. You know, Missy, it would almost be like saying God is everywhere. Oh, look what you did there. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, (laughs) 
Missy and I sat down with the authors of a new children's book entitled My Love, God is Everywhere. We sat down with Victoria Robb, Powers, and Cameron Mason Vickery, and they were just delightful. They are. They're friends of ours, so we um, both love and adore them personally. But yeah, the book is lovely. It is stunningly done. It's beautifully written. I'm really excited about our conversation, and I'm excited to um, circle back with you at the end. Talk a little more about it. Yep, absolutely. So stay tuned. Baptist Women in Ministry is celebrating its 40th anniversary in 2023. Baptist Women in Ministry, BWIM, will gather in Louisville, Kentucky, October 2nd through the 4th to celebrate. Louisville, it's where BWIM's founding mothers met 40 years ago to begin the movement. The celebration will include the premiere of a documentary about BWIM's founding, plenary sessions, times of worship, connection and self-care, and a banquet to honor BWIM's four mothers. Join Baptist Women in Ministry this October in Louisville. Learn more and register at bwim.info. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got two very special guests with us. All the way from Texas, Victoria Robb Powers is a senior pastor at Royal Lane Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. She is a graduate of Baylor University and Bright Divinity School at TCU in Fort Worth. Victoria lives with her husband and three children in Lake Highlands. She loves to read, write, preach, and teach. Cameron Mason Vickery is a graduate from Furman University and Wake Forest University School of Divinity. She currently works for Fellowship Southwest, sharing stories of ministry and mission along the U.S.-Mexico border and advocating for migrants. She's also passionate about public education and co-founded a nonprofit called Root Ed, galvanizing parents of public school children to tell their stories and become advocates. Cameron lives in San Antonio with her family. Both of them are co-authors of a brand new children's book titled My Love, God is Everywhere, and it has just been released this past Tuesday. Cameron, Victoria, welcome to Good Faith Weekly and congratulations on the new book. Thank you. So I feel like before we get started in our conversation, as Mitch mentioned, you both live in Texas. Here we are in the middle of August. How are you surviving the heat? It is unbelievable. (laughs) I hear it gets hot down there in the south. Oh my gosh. We're trying not to go outside very much, even to the pool. It's almost like bath water. So we're seeing all the movies, uh, which is a great summer for that. And yeah. Just trying to make it through the day. Speaking of movies, have both of you seen the Barbie movie? What'd you think? We have. What'd you think? (laughs) Yeah, loved it. I thought it was so good. Hilarious, fun. It was wonderful. We enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it was fantastic. Well, Victoria, we'll start with you and talking about the book. As we were reading through this, Mitch and I both commented that it brought back memories uh, from when he was pastoring still in a local church of you get these new uh, families walking in, these parents with kind of a glazed, overwhelmed look on their face with, you know, youngish children. And they'd they'd walk up and say, all right, we've been out of church for a long time. And now my kid's asking questions. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) So we were kind of wondering, was this part of the inspiration for the book? And and what, what else kind of inspired you guys to start this project? That's actually exactly what inspired the book. So I get asked often, both as a mom and as a minister, for resources when it comes to raising children in the Christian faith. 
And unfortunately, I just felt for the longest time, like I didn't really know of enough resources to provide parents with when it came to raising kids in the faith. And so I had reached out to Cameron. I had a mom who asked me a couple of years ago, it was, you know, sort of the the final ask that just made me think I've got to reach out to somebody who can help me here. And so I reached out to Cameron, who at the time was really just an acquaintance of mine. I wouldn't say we were friends, but I knew that she had children. She comes from a long line of pastors. Her husband's a pastor. She's seminary trained. I knew if anybody would know of resources to provide parents with, it would be Cameron. And so I had reached out to her and said, hey, I I get this question all the time. Parents just saying, can you help me? Do you have books that we can be reading at home? Do you know of any, of any good resources? It's not that there aren't resources for kids when it comes to faith, but we wanted credible ones, right? Ones that uh, introduced a theology that kids wouldn't have to heal from later in their life. And Cameron said to me, you know, I really don't know of many, maybe we should write a book. And it was just sort of tongue in cheek. And I sent back, you know, I don't know if you're serious, but if you are, I actually would would love to do that. And I had had a friend who had told me if I ever did want to write a children's book that he and his wife would illustrate it. So that actually, it's a funny question because that's what started the project to begin (laughs) with was a mom, you know, coming to me saying, my kid's asking a lot of questions about the faith. Do you have any books you can recommend? And feeling like, I didn't. And so we wanted to create something to fill that space. Well, I don't know. I mean, if the King James version was good enough for me, I'm not sure why we needed something else, you guys. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things as a pastor that just continually amazed me when children come up and ask these questions. And sometimes they were so simple, but I had a hard time answering them. <laughs> uh, you know, it's very challenging. You know, how do we talk about the faith in ways that children can receive, um, in ways that are faithful and true, but also create space for mystery and wonder and And so this book um, was not an easy one to write. I mean, it made us wrestle with our own theology about God's omnipresence and God's power and um, questions about theodicy. And, you know, it really makes you wrestle as a parent and as a pastor with those things. And that is a great segue. So Cameron, my question is for you. In the simplicity of this question, where is God? It's in that simplicity of a child's question that you take us on a journey to explore the mysteries of the divine. So Mm -hmm. as Robin said a moment ago, you guys had to, both of you had to kind of grapple with some really complex theological questions. In writing this book, what kind of issues did you deal with, that that you grappled with? the first decision that we had to make was which question to answer in our first, what we hope is our first of other books. Um, And we decided to start with where is God? Because for a couple of reasons, number one, it's a question that our children naturally ask and wonder about. They're naturally curious about God's location. Is God up in the sky above the clouds? Is God in our hearts? Whose hearts is God in? everybody's or just mine. If I invite God into my heart, (laughs) Um, you know, do you have to invite God into your heart for God to be with you? You know, so God's location, where is God is something that came up a lot, even in like, you know, um, when you're tucking your kid into bed and you're saying, you know, you don't have to be afraid. God is with you. I remember one of my daughters looking in the corners of her bedroom, like where, 
I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure that makes me feel better. <laughs> so the question of where is God is something that um, kids ask a lot. So we started there and found as we started really thinking about, about how to answer that question, that it's a much more powerful question than it sounds like, because, you know, we're taught so much about God's power and, um, you know, if you think about God's presence, that's actually one of the most reliable powers that God has to offer us. And that's found in scripture a lot about, um, you know, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble, ever present, that ever present help. That doesn't mean that we're not, that doesn't mean that trouble is never going to find us. Um, it means it's like something that, um, Victoria says all the time in baby dedications, which my husband Garrett always says that we, they both got from my dad, um, who's a pastor says that God doesn't promise us, um, an easy life. God promises us a good life, not an easy life. Mm. And that's something that we have found to be true. And that if you, if we can teach our kids now that believing in God doesn't give you a ticket out of having a hard life. Um, but believing in God's presence with you is a promise that promises a way to get through all of those uneasy times. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. Now, Victoria, you mentioned the Odyssey here uh, just a moment ago in your comments. And I remember receiving this very question, where is God, uh, shortly after an EF5 tornado ripped through Moore. I was pastoring in Norman, Oklahoma, just south of Moore at that time. And it was a horrible, horrible event. Uh, it hit an elementary school, killing several children uh, in its wake. And I remember this question pointedly because I struggled with it. Where was God in the tornado? And this book, I think, is this beautiful expression and this portrays and illuminates these beautiful, warm feelings. But also you talk about the darkness. You talk about the sadness. You talk about the anger. When children are faced with tragedy, what is your advice for parents to tell them about God's presence in their life? Yeah, what a beautiful question. You know, I think the spread that speaks to that the most is when the child asks her mother, is God there when I'm happy or there when I'm sad? And that was our way of addressing questions of theodicy that children aren't quite able to articulate in the ways that we can with the same theological language, but they do have the same wonderings. Where is God when I feel sad? And, you know, part of what inspired that for me the answer to that and and my own understanding of theodicy was a sermon that I heard from William Sloan Coffin, who was the longtime pastor at Riverside Church in New York City. His son had died in a terrible car accident, freak car accident, drove off a cliff, lost control of his car, and essentially drowned in the ocean. And in in the eulogy that he wrote for his son, he talked about all the empty platitudes that were offered to him from people who who were well-intentioned, but clearly, um, you know, were not helpful. (laughs) And he said in, in his son's eulogy, you know, I am just convinced that the moment my son died, God's heart was the first of all of our hearts to break. 
And I never forgot that. I remember when I, I read that I was a seminary student and it was the first time ever. And I grew up in the church, born and raised in the church. It was the first time anyone had ever offered to me an understanding of God in which God too had the capacity to grieve terrible, unjust things. I mean, I think for me, I was always um, taught more about God's power, God being in control, which created a lot of problems for me. Well, then make this make sense, right? Why do these bad things happen? And, you know, I was 23, 24 years old, the first time I read that sermon, and it provided me with so much comfort and also relief Mm -hmm. that maybe God is actually good. (laughs) You know, I mean, even though I believed in God, I still carried this um, weight and this, um, you know, this haunting idea that God allows these things to happen and why. And so anyways, all that to say, when we answered that question in the book, is God here when I'm happy and or there when I'm sad? It was really important for us to articulate to children that God gets sad too. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what we put in the book. I don't remember the exact verbiage, but essentially we said to the child that God is there when you feel blue because God get sad too, something like that. Uh, so that's my, I guess, advice to parents is to let children know that that God too has a heart that breaks over things that happen and that God always um, desires life and, you know, for all of us. And so anyways, that's kind of how yeah. we came to the question. And, that, and that's what inspired the answer for me was yeah. that sermon. Yeah. And what I love about the book, Cameron, is that it, it balances the two. It acknowledges, you know, the pain and sadness and realities that, you know, sometimes we question God's presence, but then realize that God is always present. But then it also goes into appreciating God during those good times and those beautiful moments. How do you, or what do you recommend to parents to stop when? things are going really well in life, to remind children that, hey, God's here too. Gosh, that is so important to do. And it's hard for us because it's so natural to only turn to God when we're in trouble, you know, when we need help. Um, And it's important, I think, to start teaching our children right now to also turn to God to celebrate the little things, the happy things. Um, And I think we can really practice that in creation and um, getting outside in nature. It's really easy for children to um, recognize God's, the gift that God has given us in creation and say, this is for our pleasure. Um, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to enjoy beauty and um, good things. And so Um, I think nature is a really good opportunity to say, look at that beautiful sunset. Thank you, God, for that. And to start teaching kids to cultivate, because really what we want them to know is that God wants a relationship with us, right? We always tell them that, but it's not a transactional relationship. It's a a relationship of reciprocity and um, joy. So um, a lot of the book is not, heavy, like we've been talking about, a lot of it is just look at that tiny bug, Um, you know, and I think that celebrating that wonder is a really good way to instill that God is there for us in all of these things. Love that. So I want to talk about, I 
knowing what I know of both of you, I know that every word in this book was chosen very carefully and intentionally. And there was one part in particular that I bookmarked that just jumped out at me as a as a mom myself and a student of child development. You ask, um, is, is God here when I'm good or there when I'm bad? And then the follow-up about bad, it says... God is there when you mess up. If you make a choice that isn't best, it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're human like all the rest. I want um, to see if you can speak to your word choice there, because where the child says, when I am bad, you turn a phrase Mm. to something different. Can you speak to that? Sorry, Cameron. Yeah, I'm, I love that you caught that, Missy. <laughs> it was extremely intentional. In every single other page and verse, the mother kind of rephrases the child's question or repeats it um, more word for word. And in this one, she intentionally doesn't because we don't want children to ever think that they're bad. But it is natural because children just learn in opposites. And so it's a natural thing for the child to ask, is God there when I'm bad? Um, and so I, there's, there's intentionality in the child's question and there's intentionality in the answer because kids are going to think that they're going to ask that naturally. And I want kids to have permission to ask parents, anything that's on their minds to go to God with anything, even if it's wrong theologically, um, that there is so much space for that. But then in the answer, the mom very intentionally does not repeat the phrase, and God is there when you're bad. She says, and God is there when you mess up, when you make a mistake. Um, and yes, so that's that's really what we wanted to try to teach, that um, kids are never bad. Um, it is not bad to make mistakes. It is extremely human, and we can learn from them, and that's part of who we are. Wow. Both of you have mentioned the wonder of God, the mystery of God. And when I think about this particular question, where is God, it is the ultimate question. It's the question of God's mystery or mysterium. Do you think that if we would allow ourselves or give ourselves permission to understand these questions and to accept these questions, not necessarily as a child asking for instruction, but a child really professing truth to us. Because in the question itself seems to be an answer. It seems to be a component of truth. Do you think that these questions help us adults understand, or at least try to understand the mystery and wonder of God? I think so. And I think that's part of the hope. I think children aren't the only ones who tend to think in binary ways. I think we do too. And so the hope of the book was to sort of name that tendency and then also help to deconstruct it too. That, you know, yes, God is here. Yes, God is there because actually God is everywhere. Um, I also have found just since we've been starting this project, you know, how much our children have to teach us about these things. And like you said, the truth that exists in their questions, you know, one of the things that I hope most for my kids is that they always remain theologically curious. There's something really wonderful and beautiful and important about being curious about who God is. So 
their questions in and of themselves, whether or not I can answer them don't matter so much to me as the fact that they even ask questions, that they're thinking about God. That to me is an indication that my children are engaged with God, right? And that's part of our hope, you know, even as I think about this church that that I'm leading and 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 you know, pastoring, my hope is that they know that even in their doubts and their questions, that that's a sign of active engagement with who God is. So I think, yeah, the questions themselves, they just exhibit um, truth in the sense that we're in relationship with God and we wonder about God and what a wonderful thing. I love that. So Victoria, in the book, you guys actually even tackle the subject of death. So now we've, we're talking about a lot of heavy things, and this difficult. book is filled with oh, butterflies beautiful. and rainbows too. Absolutely. <laughs> but I wanted to just touch on that real briefly because that is just something that we have such a hard time with kids, and 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 that was that's a tricky thing to even broach, you know, in a children's book. It's a very brave thing um, for you guys to do. Why did you feel it was important to take on the conversation or to to put add that element in? Yeah. Well, first I would say it's important because almost every child asks that question. So to exclude it was really uh, to do a disservice to children because when they ask about where God is, I mean, that's something I've heard my children ask. I've had a lot of parents tell me that their children ask. Everybody wants to know what happens when you die. And I do think, um, you know, one, I, I had a, um, a spiritual director who told me once you know, I think I asked her, what do you tell your kids when they ask this question? And she said, I tell them you go to God and that is sufficient. Mm. But I think sometimes we feel this need to be able to articulate exactly what life looks like after death and to talk about heaven and all these ways that often aren't even true to scripture. They're rooted more in like mythology. And I think in some ways they create even more anxiety for children. But we think the more concrete our answer, the better it is when that's not actually true, if we just tell them you go to God, God is there. At least I've seen in my own children's lives and in, in my niece and nephew in particular, that that actually suffices, you know, and, the, and then there's, there's room for wonder. I don't know. What do you think? Let's talk about that. So it was important for us to include the question because one, children ask that question a lot. And two, because I wanted to provide an answer that um, created more space for kids about what happens. We don't actually know, but we do trust that God is there and that nothing in life or death can separate us from God. And so that was our way of sort of introducing a new answer to a very common question that children ask. You, it was a beautiful answer, beautiful response. And I love the way you guys um, handled that subject. I love the way you handled all of the subjects in the book. Um, and I also wanted Take a minute to point out the illustrations are Gorgeous. phenomenal. Oh, this so book pretty. is beautifully um, just illustrated, and I, it's just stunningly gorgeous. So it was it was a pleasure to read, even though we didn't have little ones, you know, around to read. Was it there too. an intention to the artwork? Um, oh yeah, yeah. I'll I'll give a quick recap of that. So um, in that first conversation that Victoria and I had about the book, she had said, "I have a friend who always said." that she would illustrate for us. And so this is um, the wife of Victoria's really good friend from college. She lives in California. She has never illustrated a book before. Um, She did a lot of other kinds of art. Um, And so she said she wanted to do this project with us. And so what was great about it is that she 
Zoomed with us in those early days. Um, you know, she saw our Google Doc draft and was really able to be part of the imagination of what this book could be like and the intention behind it. And she's theologically on the same page as us and wants the same thing for her kids. And so she was very much a third partner from the very beginning. And so if you'll see in the intro, um, the dedication page, two of the names are her for her kids. Um, and then the others are me and Victoria's kids. But she's really, really talented. And we, um, on our Instagram, we have an Instagram live interview that we, that Victoria did with her last week, I think. And she told a lot of stories about the intentionality behind the color scheme Mm -hmm. and the shapes that she used. And it was fascinating to hear all about the art, but we are so, so thankful that she was willing to do this project with us because I think that's what really will make this book appealing to children. It absolutely will. They're just stunning. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things um, that's really cool that happened is when the art was finalized, our publisher sent us a copy of the book digitally that didn't have the words. It was just the artwork so we could see it in its completed form. And Cameron and I happened to be together. We were on a retreat in New Mexico. So we got to actually sit down and look at it together. And it just it told the story of the book in a brand new way. And it also helped us understand the experience that young children would have those pre-readers who can't read words, but they can look at pictures. Mm -hmm. And we were just so amazed at how much of the book is communicated purely in the art, even without the words you understand, you know, that she's asking about happiness and grief. She's asking about, him and her life and death when she's afraid and when she's brave. I mean, she really like brought it to life in a way that um, we, we actually didn't even know until we saw the book without the words, because, you know, when there's words, you're so gravitated, you know, you're forced to read, but this helped us sort of absorb the artwork. And I'll say one other thing about the art that I just love so much. If you notice on every um, page that there, that there's the question, the mother and the daughter are, actively engaged in some kind of activity. They're skipping rocks, they're laying on the grass, they're walking the dog, they're headed towards the bus stop for school. And I love that because I've learned since being a parent that oftentimes when you have those heavy conversations with your children, it's best to have them shoulder to shoulder instead of face to face. You know, I've heard that like in birds and the bees conversations, do it in the car, don't do it at the dinner table, you know? And I just love that she also portrayed how sometimes deep questions about the faith, theology, those are really best had when you're you're doing something, you're shoulder to shoulder, you're participating in an activity. And I love that she, we didn't ask her to do that, but that was part of her intention that she realized, you know, most meaningful conversations happen when you're, you're doing something together. You know, she could have made it where they're sitting at the dinner table, you know, across from each other, but very few of us have that level of depth in our conversations with our children when we're in that posture. So I love that she did that. I thought that was pretty cool. I remember early on we asked her, Joanna, would you try to illustrate the presence of God for us on every page? Uh-huh. Which sounds like, how do you possibly do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was like, yeah. So, and she did. So if you look, if you flip through, um, there's almost like a white shimmery line that kind of goes through each page. Um, you'll see something might be more like brightly lit with the white, um, shimmer. And that is supposed to show you like the presence of God. 
Yeah. So that's another sorry. fun thing that you're I'm thumbing. Like. I'm thumbing. Right sorry, we're sitting here looking at the book now. <laughs> Talk among yourselves. We're going to be. <laughs> well, Victoria Cameron, it is beautifully written. It is beautifully illustrated. The book is My Love. God is everywhere. It is at bookstores right now. So make certain you pick up your copy today. In fact, pick up a few copies because you need to send them to your grandkids, your nephews, your nieces, your friends. It's just going to be an absolutely this is wonderful, a beautiful book. gift yeah. for any, and any pregnant mama, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great baby shower. Great gift. baby shower gift. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, before we let you go, we've got one last question that we ask all of our guests. So Missy, take it away. All right, Cameron and Victoria, as you know, our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. So in light of your work and our conversation today, what is your more to tell? And because I always go in alphabetical order, we'll start with you, Cameron. I just think these conversations, these questions that you that the book brings up is just the tip of the iceberg. And I think um, there's so much that you can explore with your kids about you know, God and conversations about God and questions that they have. And I just encourage parents to always be open to that, um, to never, you know, push off the questions and say, "Mm," you know, ask your dad or something, (laughs) but to really try to go there with them. And if you don't know the answer that that's okay, just say, I don't know, actually, I've always wondered that myself. Mm -hmm. And Let's look it up. Let's see if we can find a book. Let's ask our pastor, you know, Um, but to just always be open to the conversations with your kids about God. Great advice. I love that. Victoria, how about you? What is your more to tell? My more to tell is that it turns out that the well is not as dry as we thought it was. So one of the wonderful things that we have come upon since writing this book is a community of other authors and writers and pastors who have created really wonderful children's books and even children's Bibles that are brilliant, that we would encourage and um you know, support. And that that's really wonderful. So if you're looking for more progressive, inclusive, um, resources about raising kids in the Christian faith, just know that there actually are a lot out there. And it just took some finding for us to do, but uh, it's really great to know that, um, you know, it's not as dry as we thought it was. And there's all kinds of books and resources available to families. So you can follow us at Reverend Mamas to find those resources and things because we share about them all the time on our Instagram page. Excellent. That was going to be my next question is, do you have a spot to go where people can find those? So say that, say that handle again. Yes. Find us on Instagram at Reverend Mamas. We share devotional ideas, spiritual practices, book recommendations, and all kinds of resources for parents who are raising their kids in the Christian faith. Perfect. Thank you. Well, Victoria Cameron, thank you once again for being our guest this week on Good Faith Weekly. And to our audience, please, when you click off this podcast, go and buy this book. It is fantastic. Thanks for both of you being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. One of the great things I liked about this book, what the authors did, is that they begin the book and end the book with a child's curiosity. Yeah, I really love that as well. And it's funny, as we were talking in the interview, it reminded me of a, one of our stories with, with uh, our younger son um, when he was about 
six years old or so, I remember overhearing a conversation that he had with my father and it had, it was a spring day and it was, you know, after a major storm, we'd had some, you know, tornadoes and, and things come through and our, both of our kids had major storm anxiety. You remember this? Mm-hmm. I know oh, it's yeah. been a minute, yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, and I, I remember hearing our younger son asking my dad, you know, did, did God create the storm? Mm-hmm. And it's just, and again, it's like the book, like, where is God? You kind of get this, how do I answer this question? Mm-hmm. And I really felt like my dad did a, a great job in the moment for, you know, being kind of taken aback and unsure how to answer. But he said, you know, um, God created, you know, the earth and he created right. the weather, you know, he created the the elements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of went into a longer explanation, but he said, and just sometimes these weather patterns get, you know, kind of intensified and they get mixed up and basically kind of nature happens and, mm-hmm. and tragedy happens, basically, you know, making the point that, you know, God isn't creating right. these tragedies. It's just a natural, um, I guess, consequence of, of things that happen in our environment. And so after this long speech, my dad gives, gives our son, our, our kiddo looks at my dad and he says, you know, I guess God's a lot smarter than we give him credit for. <laughs> <laughs> True that. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> oh, that is hysterical. So, but yeah, it's it's like some but, of these, sometimes our kids ask these questions and you're just, you're that, not that, sure how to answer them. But in itself, that is, that is a lot of the point. And that's one of the things we lose as adult, as adults, is that curiosity. Curiosity does not elevate barriers for exploration and discovery. Children are not afraid to ask questions because they are very curious. It's in their nature to be curious. That's why they drive us crazy at a young age asking so many many questions questions because they want to learn. You studied child development. Why Mm -hmm. do we lose that tendency to be curious is it a, a safety mechanism is it uh, you know is it are we scared to to look dumb or to look less than by asking questions you know i mean it's been a long time since i've been in college but yeah i think there's there's fear is involved in our inability to be curious um both fear like you said of of appearing like dumb or whatever but also a fear of upsetting our worldview Mm. we've it's taken a long time for us to get to this place and we've created a world we've created a box you know all of us have one what that looks like or how large that is 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 there and we grow quite comfortable in that and so when you have and i think we all have some degree of curiosity but like you said there is an element in our adult nature that does become apprehensive of going too far right we like we'll question things to a point and then, like we talked about earlier, just being at the Parliament of World Religions, this is something that, you know, I'm being pushed on is this is very much living outside of the box, you know, that I've created in, in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning to be curious 
um, about the people that I'm interacting with throughout the day and opening my mind to these conversations. So I, I feel like as as adults, you just, you, you know, the old adage, you become set in your ways, Yeah. Um, things like think, that. But I do think it, it limits our understanding of God. It uh, limits our theology. Uh, I've often said, I think Jesus would be very disappointed with the church he left behind uh, if we have not grown and have attempted to understand God in new ways because of our limitations. Those limitations and that sinful nature that we all carry should propel us to ask more questions, to try to understand God in new and fresh ways. To grow and to evolve. Grow, yeah. yeah to, to, and, and because that's what we do in our human relationships, why wouldn't we do that with our relationship with God? Right, right. And I, I do think I just I love the way this book was constructed um, like we talked about in the interview and I I meant what I said you can just tell these words were so intentional mm -hmm. um, and what they brought in with the imagery and the way this child was interacting with with the parent was like you said it's a children's book but you and I both felt like it spoke just as much to the adult well, in the what room. Great children's literature does. Absolutely. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it's a children's book, but it's a sermon to the parents <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's it's just beautifully done. To be quite honest with you, we need more children's sermons in our lives because in those children's sermons, they are filled with simple, straightforward, and bold questions that we all should be asking in our search for understanding. Well, you know, it's like the great prophet of uh, one of the prophets of our show, Ted Lasso says. <laughs> yes, Saint Ted. Be curious, not judgmental. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that really I does. I've met some kids that were pretty judgmental, <laughs> <laughs> especially when I didn't get my ice cream or something. <laughs> That's right. But I think it rings true here. Just yeah. that reminder, like you said in the beginning, you know, the book is about a, cur a child's curiosity. Mm -hmm. And as much as a child's curiosity can be terrifying at times when they ask these big questions that we still wrestle with, quite frankly, ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's a good reminder to us all. I think Victoria and Cameron have done such a phenomenal job of, of both with words and, and with illustrations, um, giving us a wonderful uh, product here to kind of jump, you know, into a conversation right. with our children. And I know yep. they, they kind of hinted to maybe some more books. Oh, I hope in so. In the future, so. answering yeah. some more questions. Yeah. So I am very excited about that yeah, and, and look forward to, to seeing what they do next. Yep. Well, the book is My Love, God is Everywhere. The authors are Victoria Robb Powers and Cameron Mason Vickery. Make sure you pick it up. Well, Missy, we're going to be back at HQ next week. And we've got a very special episode because next week... We're releasing our second narrative podcast, A Second Language. Yes. I didn't realize. So it's it's releasing next week? Next week. It will be, by the time we record next week, you will be able to download it. A Second Language. You can download it and listen to it uh, on whatever platform you choose. Excellent. Well, I, I'm just going to say, I've already heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Braggart. I got a connection. <laughs>
And it is phenomenal. Yep. And so we're I'm have so excited to share it with everyone. Our media producer, who everybody loves, Cliff Vaughn, will be joining us on the pod next week, along with the pastor who's highlighted in the podcast, the current pastor of Second Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, Reverend Dr. Preston Clegg, and he is a delight. Yeah, I'm excited about the conversation, and I'm excited to share the podcast with the world. Absolutely. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org. Good